you're listening to The Tech Box. Welcome everybody to episode 32 of The Tech Box. I am David Rich, I am here at last, and uh, I'm joined by James Honeyball. Hi James, do you remember who I am? Hey, That's the first question. Someone called David, but... Um, it'll come back to me. It's a little bit hazy at the moment. It has been a while, I think. I think I haven't appeared on a podcast at all since August. So, mm. yeah, a little, little sabbatical there for me. But, it, you know, it had been five years, five years of straight podcasting. I thought, you know, it's, it's time for a little rest. And I take it you were on the beach for that whole time? Of, co- of course. Beach, nice. Budweiser, you know, nothing to do with children, work, and uh, the, the everyday drone of life, unfortunately. But Life does tend to happen, doesn't it? Yeah, and we're only a day away from Christmas. Or I know. Two days. It's Christmas Eve Eve. Yeah, that's the one. All the lights are on, all the trees are up. You still at work? I am. Unfortunately, I made the decision of going into work on Christmas Eve because I thought it would be... I didn't want to waste a holiday because normally Christmas Eve is a little bit quiet. But now I'm regretting it because I'm getting that Sunday feeling on the Sunday when really it should be uh, a, a clean run into um, Christmas Day, really, shouldn't it? Yeah, it doesn't actually feel like a Sunday, does it? It feels like it should be midweek. And Have you been out and the shops are full? And... Well, I went out yesterday, but it's feeling a little bit like a Sunday for me because I just keep thinking, oh, no, I do actually have to uh, go into work tomorrow. So I can't do what I would maybe want to do, which is, you know, go out to the <laughs> pub and drink and go crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're a lucky man, uh, James, because I... I look at people longingly through the pub window now <laughs> as I walk by with the children screaming. So yeah, it's all, all joy. No, I'll be there with my kids uh, lined up on the bar, you know, pints <laughs> and a chaser or something else. Um, so you had we had a little bit of a special plan today, something a little bit different. We were going to go over, what was it, the top tech of the year? or So I thought we'd do something a little bit different. I think uh, it's a bit easy just to say, oh, these are the top phones of the year, because obviously that's our biggest piece of tech, isn't it, our phones. But yeah. I thought let's broaden it out and let's think of our you know, how the tech has enriched our lives over the year. So it's like your top tech moments or your top tech things that have uh, uh, helped you or been most impressive or have been most notable throughout the year. So I'm sure there'll be um, some phone things chucked in there for good measure, but uh, I thought we'd uh, spread the net a little bit wider. Are we going for a particular order? Are we going three through to one or one through to three? Or I think we... we should go three to one alternately. That seems like a, a good method to do it. Okay, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? How are we going to battle this? So I'll go first then. Okay. So the first one that I wanted to mention really was uh, Apple's live photos. Hmm. And I know that's a little bit out there because Apple's live photos have been around for quite a long time now. I think since yeah. the 6S. Uh, certainly when they first came out, I was fairly dismissive of them. And in fact, I didn't really use them at all until I got the 7 Plus because I skipped the 6S uh, generation completely. So a good example of live photos this year coming into use was I went to a little fate slash festival uh, in a village near my parents called it was in Wallingford uh, and the little festival is called Bunkfest. Uh, I think it has um, its roots in um, some steam 
engines and steam trains and um, general sort of folky music. And it's got, you know, things like Morris dancers and lots of little stalls and local food and local uh, beers and all that kind of stuff. And it was a fantastic day out. And the only phone that I took was my iPhone. So it would have been my iPhone X, um, first generation. And I took lots of pictures of my family and friends. And uh, once I had enjoyed the day and got back home, uh, as always, I put all my photos into um, Flickr and Google Photos. Uh, But I also looked at all of the... Because I, I took all my photos on my iPhone, I took all of the little movies that get created as part of live photos i chucked that into imovie uh, and i created a really lovely sort of two minute film of the day from sort of start to finish with with all the major things captured uh, and it's just a really wonderful feature of um, the iphone Um, now originally one of the first sort of apps to pick up on it was google's what do they call it uh, motion stills yeah um, they do some i i'm not a big google person but i again i on google photos they do do things like that don't they yeah but they had a spe- separate app that they released only on ios originally which was called motion stills which allowed you to string these live photos together um and sort of put text on and you know do like boomerang effects and and it, and it stabilized it as well really well i think apple themselves are, are getting better at stabilizing these uh, little clips they associate with the photos but actually um google i think was first in stabilizing it in that app anyway i use imovie to string them together because it gives me a little bit more control over things uh, you could use any uh editing software i guess and it's just a really brilliant feature because you never really think i personally don't ever really think of taking videos when i'm out and about i take loads of photos but necessarily videos and just the ability to create these little videos by stringing these together has been impressing me for the last couple of years and this year's no exception uh has i've put together some really nice uh little films this year so that's my number three ios's live photos feature so I, I'm one of these um, people, James, that turned it off with the iPhone 6S and subsequently has never turned it back on. I just can't, I can't get into it. I, I don't know. In my head, my head tells me that these are lower quality photos because they're not photos, they're videos. Well, the actual, the main photo that it takes is the same as any other photo. So it only right. records a low fidelity video around the photo. But the actual photo itself, the main photo itself is fine. Now, one of the features that you've got on live photo is that you can change the fo- the the frame that it uses as the photo. And if you select anything other than the main one, then you get a really poor, low quality one. Do you sort yeah. of see what I mean? But yeah, as yeah. long as you never do that, and I, and, I, and I don't, then actually you're not losing anything by having it on. I'm pretty sure you're not losing anything by having it on. No, I, I don't. I don't think you probably are. I think it's just my weird, quirky sense of how things work that that tells me that I shouldn't. And as I said, I, I turned it off, and uh, I haven't had it on since. And mostly because, if you remember, back when it was first implemented with the iPhone six, I think it was all mistimed. So all you ever seemed to get was you either putting the camera down or pulling it up. Yeah, it didn't didn't seem to all sync up properly yeah so um i think that's what really killed it for me and i haven't really tried it since i mean maybe that's 
I should try a little bit more, get into it, because I do take a lot of photos. It's definitely got better over the years. So um, before it was unstabilised, as you say, it was a little bit hit and miss. Now, I think the quality might be a little bit better. The bit rate kind of might be a little bit increased. Certainly, Apple themselves are stabilising it better. And also, they are putting additional features on it. So you can, um, from within Apple software itself, you can sort of export it as a GIF or as a little video, or you can like do little boomerangs or repeats, or um, you can even use it to fake a long exposure. So if you take a picture of a lake or something, um, you can then get uh, the photo software just to sort of add all of those video frames together and sort of smooth out and give the illusion of a long exposure so there's lots of cool clever stuff that you can do with it you can be really creative and um yeah i would turn it on and see where it gets you yeah i might as well yeah i've been playing a lot with ios recently so yeah i'll give it a go i'll give it a go and i'll report back james because that sneakily leads me into what i was going to say for number three so i'm not going to make this totally an apple podcast so don't fear um, this is why it's number three, but I would actually say iOS 12, really, for the year. If we're, if we're looking back over the year and maybe what they started to implement, you know, come September. But uh, I'm a big user of Siri shortcuts, so I, I use those quite a lot. And just things like, um, what's the, what's the, is it, it's not the control center, is it? You know, when you swipe left and you have the oh, sort of Oh, yeah, widgets. like the widgets thing. I don't know what, they actually, what, the, what the official term yeah. of that is, but it's like the widget screen or whatever, yeah. I was just looking there in the settings and I couldn't find it. Maybe someone will correct us. Let's not fear with that. But just the overall ability with Siri shortcuts to actually carry out some quite complex tasks, which sort of makes me hopeful for the iPad Pro and things like that, because previously it used to be a nightmare. But for example, I was editing a podcast the other night because I've kept my hand in a little bit and um, someone asked me to share it with them and it was on my uh, I'd, I'd sent them a link so it was on the server so what I needed to be able to do was I needed to be able to download that link store it and then reshare it via google drives and I did all that with a Siri shortcut so I put the link into Siri shortcut I ran it through the a downloader shortcut that was creative that gave me the option then to save that download to files so it went into the file system then i was able to go into the file system and then share that up to google drive and it, it just all seems to be tying together whereas previously that would have been clunky to do i wouldn't have necessarily been able to do that i suppose I at one been... point it would have been entirely impossible to do Exactly, and and people people bash it, and they say that there isn't really a file system, and they they're they're perfectly right. It's not the most accessible file system, but it's a lot easier than what it used to be, isn't it? And that's what I've noticed. Things are becoming a little bit easier. I, for example, like I said, we go to that we don't know the name of it screen where we yeah. slide left. Yeah, and I, I've got a widget with all my um, shortcuts in there, and I've got things for like work alarms, and I'll hit that, and it'll toggle all the different alarms that I set for the day to get me up for work because I you know I like to have a few spare so rather than having them set all the time I can choose weekend alarms or work alarms or just things like that so it's just the convenience to be able to sort of tweak what you want this is interesting because I've never used a Siri shortcut I've never created one I've never run one it's just like it seems like 
but it seems like I never need to do anything other than what I'm able to do in iOS. I kind of never have the urge to do anything over and above what I'm permitted to do, if you like. Well, that work alarms one, it's really simple, very simple indeed. But every night before bed, for some strange reason, don't ask me why, I don't like having my alarms permanently set. <laughs> I like to be able to adjust turn them on and off so what happens if you forget though because i have mine permanently set for a good reason if i had to set it every night i'd forget <laughs> well well i do every night i i would go and i would just they would they would be they'd be there so i'd toggle the on switch off for maybe quarter past five then half past five then quarter six you know just these safety net ones to get me up but every night that got a, a bit annoying but i created a shortcut that will automatically enable those so it'll get it'll automatically toggle four or five individual alarms on and I can toggle them off and on a weekend when I want to be up at a different time I can toggle some different alarms on and off so rather than having them set and I know all this functionality is baked in and I know it's a really strange use case but I don't like having them set during the, during the day scheduled if that makes sense so um, I can just literally flick a switch and it'll flick them on and flick a switch and it'll flick them off so I might have to ask what other shortcuts you've got because I think that setting my phone to wake me up at five in the morning isn't one i'm going to want to borrow yeah yeah i mean i the, the things like the download one lots of people online have got some really clever ones and, and you can just download them you just go to the website within safari and um, click the link and it'll load it up into shortcuts for you so you you name it it's been thought of really like like i said the I, extracting files one i can copy a, a link off a website to a download hit the extract files it'll look for the link that's been pasted to the clipboard then download it and offer me where to save it either into files or google drive or dropbox or anything like that so that's that does sound like it would be useful at certain points there's i think it doesn't really occur to me to try and do that kind of stuff with an ios device no but maybe if i had that at my fingertips i'd start to consider it more for things like that well, like I said, last night's um, example of the podcast was me not wanting to go upstairs and get the MacBook and open it, um, which could have done all that in two minutes, obviously. But uh, I thought, you know what, I'll have a crack at this and uh, orchestrate something. So I, I, for me, I definitely iOS 12, it's come a long way. And I think iOS 13 will bridge that gap, really. So um, Yeah, they did say that they were holding a few sort of power user things back for iOS 13, which might... Uh, you know make the uh ipad for instance a little bit more computery uh, i do hope they don't throw away what's made ios great from the beginning which is its simplicity and its discoverability and its you know ease of use and uh i hope they don't just turn it into any old other operating system which is complicated and uh a little bit of uh you know takes a little bit of navigating no, a mouse pointer would be nice, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, no. These are the things that would clog it down and make it, uh, you know, you've got macOS for that and leave iOS for simplicity and uh, ease of use. <laughs> okay. Well, that's my number three, James. Okay. So uh, over to you with your so number two. So we're rattling up the charts onto number two. And number two is a really a US-only uh, service called Movies Anywhere. And you know that in the UK, we're lumbered with ultraviolet for our uh, digital download of yes. our DVDs and Blu-rays. And um, the idea is fair, I guess, is to try and have a single service that everyone sort of centres on for digital downloads. Unfortunately, for the UK 
Blu-rays and DVDs, they all use this ultraviolet service. And I think there's only one client that actually makes use of it, which is, um, it's gone off the tip of my tongue, uh, Flickster. Right. So, and whenever I've used Flickster, it, it really does seem to be fairly clunky, fairly um, not the highest bit rate on the streams and just a fairly unfulfilling uh, experience, really. But in America, not only did they used to give away iTunes equivalents quite often, um, but they've now introduced uh, Movies Anywhere, which basically syncs up and shares all of your purchased content and all of your um, download code content across all of your services. So you buy something on Amazon, it's available through Google Play. You buy something on Google Play, it's available through iTunes. Uh, it also included is Voodoo and Ultraviolet. So it's really a brilliant service for them. Um, and because I've got a US iTunes account and a little bit of VPNery, <laughs> and you can get a Voodoo account and um, this Movies Anywhere account itself, and you set it up, and what it actually means is that you can get the ultraviolet download codes, certainly the US ones, put them into uh, Voodoo and you get something playable in really good quality on your Apple TV 4K in the UK. Because at the moment, and I think it's always been the case, that you can have a US iTunes account in the UK and use that to stream uh, the latest content. And, you know, it doesn't seem to be, you don't have to use a VPN or anything for that. That actually sounds like a dream, doesn't it, compared to what we have to struggle yeah. with now. I think, what was it? I got a free pack of batteries the other day, and uh, that and that gave me a free film as well. I think it was Energizer Batteries, and that was Google Play. But then I don't use Google Play. I use iTunes for most things. And, and then, like as you said, Ultraviolet Light, Ultraviolet Light, Ultraviolet for your copies of... Uh, blu-rays and things like that it, it's a mess over here and um i i think we both like to stream media don't we yeah and um it just makes it clunky it just makes yeah. it clunky. it's almost to the point where it's easy just to go out and buy it and use a software to put it onto your own server doesn't it isn't it than it is to actually bother with the streaming service it is although this makes it um really easy and it means that i can uh, i i what i did um, the other day was actually connect up my because obviously it insists that you have these us services that you connect to it but i connected up my what i assume is a uk google account and that connected okay and so now yeah. i can use my um like my samsung tablets to watch all of these films and they come down to um, Google Play Movies on that. So it's really powerful. And, you know, it's legal in as much as all this content has been purchased one way or another, you know, in one country or another. But it's it's kind of, if we're going to have DRM, then have it such that it's this flexible. You know, it makes it so easy and so usable. What happens if this middleman disappears, though? Well, it, the whole thing's like a house of cards and you end up back with, you know all of your siloed content in all each of its individual silos which would be a pain you sort of think to yourself okay out of all the different companies which company would purchase this company and how would that damage it but you can't so see I th well i think this company is already owned by a few of the studios right okay and there are some studios that don't participate um it's a bit like when if for instance you can't buy disney 
4K movies on um, iTunes. Mm. Um, and, it, you know, they had this thing where um, you could upgrade the HD versions of films to 4K, but of course that's not doesn't work with um, Disney. So there's always caveats with these things where not all of the studios want to play ball but um for the ones that do it's a really good really good service and it means you know i think you've got an apple tv as well but it's a very good device for playing back movies it supports all of the um hdr and uh, it supports dolby atmos at 24 frames a second it's a fantastic way to watch video content so um yeah, Movies Anywhere is my number two. I've used it a lot this year. And hopefully, um, yeah, none of it will get closed down or revoked <laughs> or um, anything like that next year. So my my two is ex- pretty similar, James. I, I was racking and I, I sort of did my top three thinking, what do I have I really used this last year? What What's um what's made a difference? And I, I've not been as covered with tech as I usually am. So I, I, I've only had the one phone and and all this and that and because i have a lot going on so for me though similar to yourself i like to sit down on an evening and watch television so i'm not going to say the apple tv what i'm going to say is the plex client i know you use this as well Mm. but it's got better and better over the years do you pay for yours do you I did the. Th- I think I paid the outright lifetime membership thing. Well, I I did that, but I, for some strange reason, I pay three pounds ninety nine a month as well, and I, and I can't think why I pay three pound ninety nine a month, and I don't know no, what I, I get for it. But... Thought it was either or. I thought you because <laughs> I think I paid like a hundred quid. Oh right, okay. Fee. So I never paid that. I've been. I've been. I've had it for a while. I mean, I remember paying for the client. Um, but I ah, you might have paid for the client like on a, on an app store or something. Potentially, yeah. So I pay three pound ninety nine a month. But for me, it's it's nice. It's sort of the hub of everything. Yeah. Um, so for people that don't know what Plex is, it's a uh, an app that you can install on the Apple TV. You can access it through a browser. It can go on iOS or Android. Um, and it enables you to stream media from a central location. So I have it running on an Apple uh, Apple uh, Mac Mini. Uh, connected to external hard drives over USB 3. And uh, that enables me to stream it, obviously, to the television. But equally, when I'm outside of the house, I can stream that to any device because it's really good. There's no configuration really required. Um, you just open up a couple of ports and it streams it to you. And I think that's where the 399 comes in. Is it that ability that enables yeah, you to I do that? Yeah, I think so. It's having that... Um sort of centralized login um capability that i think is what you're paying for yeah but you can also share libraries can't you as well yeah so we've shared our libraries yeah and uh, i share a few others with a few other friends so it's it's like a your own personal netflix but i like i like to go out buy purchase media put it onto the computer archive it onto the drives and then I've got it there's no messing around I just flick on the Apple TV load up maybe films or a TV shows because it, it's brilliant for both really to be perfectly honest and uh, yeah it's just made life so much easier so much so I've got rid of Sky James you know we don't use Sky anymore oh no 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 you can't go that far absolutely not i just had a comeback email actually come back for 13 pound per month so uh, oh that's not bad i don't know 
maybe I'm tempted, but you should definitely do that. <laughs> but yeah, certainly it's, it's functionality. So it's not it's not super tech. It's not something you can physically hold, but it's something that I interact with on a daily basis. And even the wife can use it. It's that simple. I'm not saying she doesn't know anything about tech, but it is very simple. And I get so much value out of that three pounds ninety nine, even yeah. though you probably don't pay anything now which uh... no i think i think i've definitely got my i know it was expensive with the one-off i think it was something like 80 or 100 pounds but i think it's a really great piece of software happy to support it um yeah it's just um it's really good i think that this model of people buying physical media and archiving it is definitely probably going to be sort of sneered at in the future mm. uh, you know as we will be known as old fuddy duddies who oh yeah definitely like to have a physical copy of everything where the thing to do is just to have a digital copy of it but i'm afraid that i am of that mindset and i think that might be burnt into my dna now such that i'm just going to always want i'm going to always want a cd i'm always going to want a dvd in fact i bought a couple of cds uh today so yeah i, I completely empathize with the desire to do it and anything that makes archiving it and sorting it easier is is really good and plex falls into that category definitely yeah i can imagine we are going to go down with the ship in terms yeah. of look at those old people buying those cds yeah. can't play them forever you know yeah well this what? is why um i was really happy with the launch of the 4k blu-ray because i thought are they going to bother doing another disc-based format and they did and they made blu-ray 4k it's a fantastic format uh really really good and um okay that might be the last one but it's certainly a good one yeah no we we are old james that is all it is do you think we are old i mean storing things on a hard drive that's going to fail do you think that's a backup well of course we would store it on multiple hard drives so that when (laughs) one fails it uh, doesn't take all of them down and multiple online services as well of course yeah you have to have everything in fact that's the one thing isn't it is we have plex we have sky we've got netflix we've got amazon you know we just have way too much content to actually watch it all so you you always feel like you're um losing the battle in terms of keeping on top of everything so i know that i'm behind on multiple uh series and and films and with these series that have got like 10 to 20 episodes each an hour long in yeah um it's not as easy as catching up on the latest films is it you know catching up on a series is a serious investment i've just started back at the sopranos season one so ah. i've got a something like 192 episodes to go through so yeah even though i've seen them before it's, it's nice to cover old ground yeah i uh, have not seen the sopranos Ooh. yet so definitely there's 192 episodes there it's a good story. The other one is The West Wing, of course. Everyone oh, says that's really good. Yeah, I never really got into that. Never did. Okay, never did. so at least you're not going to get me to um, spend 200 hours in that, but you are going to get me to spend uh, 200 hours in The Sopranos. Okay, that's Definitely, good. do it. There's also 24 as well on the Plex as well, all the seasons. So uh, Yeah, I, didn't, I, I went off 24, I have to say. Um, they kept making it too samey. Do you know what I mean? It's oh, like yes. <laughs> always the same. And yeah. I have to say this because I think this is the one, this is the sort of moment I totally lost faith in it was on one of the ends of the series, he's sort of captured by the Chinese government and he's shipped off in a shipping container back to China. Do you remember that? Yep. At the end of the series? And I thought, oh, this is fantastic. They're going to have like a whole series where he's 
maybe running around Hong Kong or, you know, some exotic location and they're going to really mix it up and it's going to really change it. Uh, and I was so excited for the next season. And within about 10 minutes, he was back in the US. You know, some Middle Eastern gentleman was constructing a nuclear yeah, bomb. And he was a, a bad guy. And, yeah. Exactly. And it, I was just thinking, oh, no, this is, you know, everything you know, everything's back to exactly this old cliches that they had it before. And I was just really disappointed. Such a missed opportunity, I thought. I have fond memories of 24. I think I, I think I was unemployed in my early 20s for like two months. And I just we used to go to Blockbuster and rent the, the VHS of them and just sit there and, uh, yeah, watch them all day, I, uh, back to definitely, back. Definitely the first couple of series, I was definitely a fan, I would say, definitely. Yeah. Ah, good old memories, eh? Sopranos, though, that's your homework. Okay, I'll do that. So, so number one then, go on. Let, let's so, do this. So this is going to be no surprise to anyone, which is um, the LG phones. And the ones that I've had this year have been the V30, although I assume it was released in 2017, but I think I only took ownership in 2018, and the G7. Mm. And they basically com- they're basically the best Android devices, I think, that you can get considering the value for money because you know they're they're so cheap and they're so well specced um you know if you take for instance the g7 i think you can get that for like 350 quid yeah which is just an absolute bargain they've gone out the limelight haven't they that's why they they have but i i still think that they're you know they're fantastic you know if you think what you're getting on the g7 you're getting arguably the best lcd screen you can get You've got the top-end uh, silicon in terms of the 845. The one that I've got is the 6-gig one that, is abs- that absolutely flies, but I'm sure the 4-gig one flies just as well. It's got the quad DAC. You've got the micro SD expansion. Uh, the add-ons onto uh, Android, I think, are fairly non-intrusive and actually beneficial. I now can't... Well, I guess I can't. I find it really difficult to go to a... Um, an Android phone which doesn't have the fourth button on the bottom being dragged down the notification shade. I use that all the time. Um, it's just, I mean, admittedly, I do put Nova Launcher on it to get rid of the launcher, and I put the Google keyboard on to put, you know, so that I've got a familiar keyboard. But, you know, those are two fairly minor actions for me to get what then becomes a really fantastic device. And the other thing that I really love is the wide-angle camera. And I know um, the quality on it may not be brilliant, but it's just so makes the phone so versatile. Uh, my only regret with them, uh, the V30 cameras, I thought were very, very, very good. Um, the G7 cameras, I still think the built-in camera over-sharpens and over-edifies, but um, you can put the Google Pixel camera APKs on there and it does make the um the photos a lot better although the apps are not 100% stable at the moment. I the last LG I had was the G6. I've not used the G7 and the G6 was lovely. Yeah, it, it was okay. <laughs> I wouldn't say lovely, but it it was uh, certainly it held its own. I, I had a G2 and a G3 as well and I skipped the 4 and the 5. I don't know. The, I love the G2. That was really nice. I've got an LG TV if that helps. Um yeah. The G three, I didn't. The build quality was a bit hit and miss. Yeah, I didn't do the 
I didn't do the G3 myself. I only did the G2. I skipped the three. I did the four yeah. once that became cheap. If you remember, that became really yeah. cheap and that was a bargain. I had brilliant screen. I skipped the G5 just because I didn't quite like the look of that. I didn't, I didn't like, no, was... I didn't like the whole two piece thing. Me, no. me and my friend, we loved the G2. We had, we got black ones and they, they were lovely. We absolutely loved them. He kept his for ages and put other ROMs. He kept, he kept that going probably longer than what it needed to. But um, yeah, we love that. But the G6 for me, I don't know. They just, there was always some compelling reason to get a G2 or G3 or G4, but the G6, it just seemed, I don't know, software-wise, they've lost the plot. It was like it was running some sort of T-Mobile skin, if you remember the whole pinks and pastel colours that they used to put on devices. I found you could tone it down fairly easily, certainly once you had the Oreo um, ROM on there, which you may not have had if you didn't keep it that long. I think I had it for about a year, probably, something like that. I, I think I just got it when I got rid of it. I mean, if you put a launcher and a keyboard on, which is a two-minute job, I mean, you're really just got yeah. the settings to deal with. You know, everything else on there is um, is pretty good. And, yeah, you've got to spend, you know, five minutes uninstalling a couple of apps, but it's nowhere near as uh, bloated as, you know, a Samsung or something like that. No. And it's no, And it's nowhere near as sort of different... Uh, to a Huawei or a, a Xiaomi. I, I, I did like the camera, though. I did, did like that wide-angle camera. I think I went to a stately home and took loads of photos, And whereas the normal lens, I really couldn't get any sort of distance, but I switched to the wide-angle, and it gave me that sort of room overview Yeah. with chandeliers and things that yeah, I wouldn't have yeah. actually got otherwise. So I did like that. I did enjoy it. I, I think you are a unique unicorn, James. Yeah, well, the other thing is it's a little bit different, I suppose. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, nowadays it's either iPhone, Samsung or OnePlus. I think I don't really think I see much else other than those three phones day to day. And um, yeah, LG is a little bit different, isn't it? And the um, the build quality and finish on the V30 as well is, is worth um, special mention. I think that's really, really nice. Yeah, I, I, t- to, be, to be fair, I've not because they've fallen out of fashion i've not looked at one i really haven't and maybe if i did and i've fallen out with android phones in general i just think one android phone is the same as the next because you can do so much with the software and because i utilize ios so much then for me it doesn't make sense to try and come do you know what i mean yeah i'll I'll use linux on the desktop and things like that so i i like because i like being control of things but I just want to get things done and do them simple, and I've sort of become a dumb user. I think. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, I think it's very easy to um, get comfortable on an iPhone and um, not have to worry about anything else. But yeah, uh, apart from this, the sheer amount it costs to uh, function <laughs> yes. on one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, you you buy a a flagship uh, iOS device, and it's a thousand pound buy a flagship LG device and it's £350. You know, yeah. where can you, you can't go wrong. I would like to adopt Mike Warner's sort of strategy where he, he goes for sort of hardware and then customises the software. But I like I said, I'm just that entrenched now and I have my work. I say workflow, but I don't really do anything. I take photos and uh, use a few shortcuts. So, uh, I you know, it's an aspiration, I think, more than anything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely um, definitely a cool hobby to have if you're, um, especially if you're into uh, playing about with the ROMs and everything. That takes it to the next level, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so I'll kick in with my number one then. So I'm going to mention, I'm going to give it an honourable mention, and again, 
it's made by Apple, but it's more the whole sort of package really so it's the apple watch for me the see i've got the series three so i never went for the series four but it's not necessarily the watch itself for me it's the fitness functionality um i've coupled this with thing you know apps like my fitness pal it's a really good app i think and mm. um again the health metrics and nike run i use nike run a lot and it's just the overall package is what it enables me to do. And I know that we've had the Apple Watch since Series 0 through to 2, but the GPS inclusion with the, the Series 3 has been brilliant for me, being able to go out on a run. And like I said, I use Nike Run app. That's I think I find that brilliant. Like They have guided runs where they talk to you over 40 minutes, 45 minutes. and um, So where does that app run? Is that running on the phone or on the watch? No, so it's on it's on the watch. So they, the standalone watch app. So I can go out with uh, the Apple Watch, um, download it. Cause, because I've got the cellular one, I can look through the list of um, pre-recorded runs from the trainers choose one download it to the watch locally and connect the bluetooth headphones to the watch so there's no phone involved and for me that's why i feel i've been so successful because i can ditch that phone at home and i can just go and i can run i can run with these coaches i can run listening to mo farah i can do all of this and then once i get back the phone obviously syncs back to the nike app and therefore i can look at all the stats of while i'm running i can see the pace for each mile and things like that but once i get back i can see a graphical representation of where i've run where i've speed sped up slowed down um then that's obviously syncs through to health which then syncs through to my fitness pal which monitors my calories and all that sort of stuff it's, it's been amazing for me i've uh, just since may i think may through to obviously obviously now i've lost about 11 and a half kilograms just by just using this apple watch going for three runs a week and um just monitoring my health but mainly by syncing it through to um, my fitness pal just monitoring you've lost 11 kilograms yep it literally in pretty impressive yeah it's it's for me this year i was what 13 just over 13 stone and and now i'm down to just over 11 so it's 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 a game changer really and it's just by having that my fitness pal but also have the watch every time i go to the gym it syncs back to my fitness pal so i I, i've set myself a daily calorie limit and therefore the watch sort of syncs up with that and says okay you've done this much exercise so you've earned this amount of calories so you can have a little bit more and it's it's just changed it changed everything the the whole integration and as i said i didn't feel the need to go to the series four because i wasn't i'm not wearing the watch to as a fashion item or as a tech item i'm i'm wearing it for the the lifestyle benefits if that makes sense yeah that's really really interesting because i've got the apple watch and i do like it i wear it every day and for instance i went out for a run today i I I got the notification james did you (laughs) i turn those notifications off for other people it's (laughs) normally you do you know filling your rings out within sort of you know 30 minutes of uh, being awake but um i went out on my run and so that will have been saved and i um i also recorded it oh i happened to take a an android phone out with me to run because i um, I don't have GPS on my watch, so uh, my Z3 Compact records my runs, and I use um, RunKeeper, I think. Um, but 
it's kind of one way in terms of all of my fitness data goes into either my watch or my iPhone or an Android phone or something, but nothing ever comes out. Do you know what I mean? So I, I don't think it's really helped me with my fitness particularly no and, and that's and that's what i think is so beneficial from this it's 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 the collection of the data but it's what you do with that data like i said that, that i know my fitness pal is just one of many but it's correlating that and being aware because every time i eat something i scan it in there as well so yeah i used to do that but i i, I couldn't keep that up it was too much overhead yeah it, it, it is a lot of overhead but i you get spurred on, don't you? I'm I'm seeing the results as I go. And again, I've got the smart scales as well. So I stand on the scales. It loads the weight into Health App. Health App shares that with my fitness pal. You can visually track everything that's going on. And it's just, I don't know. I've just absorbed it over the last year. And I don't know. They say, you know, knowledge is power and all that. And I truly think that it's helped me no end. And has it spurred me on to get, another watch no it hasn't this one is more than capable of doing what i need to do if it got to the point where it didn't run the software fast enough or there was features within the software that didn't take advantage of it then yeah i probably would upgrade but this this sort of this like i said it's very much not the tech aspect of it that's sort of got me hooked with it it's the collection of the information and being able to analyze that data and, and do things it's really helped no end so yeah definitely number one for me this year yeah no that's really good i think um, we can all take inspiration from that and, well, it's a uh, new year james you know yeah new new goals and all that well i think i lost about what's i start i sort of went from i only do it in kilograms but i went from like 98 down to like 91 yeah so about seven kilograms no, which, was, which is a lot really yeah think about it. you know it's not happy with that it's not uh, too far from 11 really it's uh you know, it's a good stone or so, isn't it? Yeah. I did that mostly not through hugely technical um, means, but just I tried to do a bit of a 5-2 where on that two days a week, I would really cut down my calorie intake. Yeah. Uh, and that seems to have done the trick. So that's, that's That's been one of the major aspects for me as well, literally just being aware of what I'm doing. Bread as well. I eat, I ate a lot of bread, but you can get Weight Watchers bread and it's like 50 calories a slice versus 130. So... Yeah, but if we ask if we ask Gavin to bake us some, it'll only be ten, so we'll be okay. That's right. We need uh, Gavin as our personal uh, caterer, don't we? <laughs> yeah, definitely. We'll see see the that results. Would, that would completely sort us out. Yeah. Okay, so those are the top three things of uh, twenty eighteen. Um, what else have you been uh, getting up to in this uh, small hiatus? Uh, I, I've got the S XS Max. Um, so I'm a big YouTube fan. That's aided me no end in being able to watch YouTube again down the gym. Um, what else? I've got I've got an iPad Pro coming as well, James. So that will be interesting to report back on. See see if I can replace the MacBook Pro with that. So you've gone for the new 11 inch. I've gone for the 11 inch, yeah. Presumably the cellular one. Yeah, yeah, but that's mainly because of the deal that I got with it. Um, do I need cellular? Probably not. But I don't know. It'd be interesting. Can I get rid of the MacBook Pro? We'll find out. I think. Would you? So if you if you like the iPad, are you saying that you would sell the MacBook Pro? I think I. I mean, I don't pick my MacBook Pro up for a lot. To be fair, I do a lot of tasks on the phone. Um, I've got a desktop. I, I much prefer sitting down at a desktop to do any sort of work. 
So I probably think I maybe would. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, my main laptop, in inverted commas, around the house is the iPad Pro for me. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing too much that I can't do on it. I think, you know, unless I think the one thing that I gave as an example um, was booking a holiday in terms of like, you know, having multiple windows and tabs up where you're sort of checking out um, uh, places that you might want to be going on holiday or something similar to that where you're just checking out hundreds of different things on different web pages. Then apart from that kind of use case, the iPad Pro, I think, is brilliant. Yeah, I I think my needs could be met easily, probably by the basic iPad, you know, the nine inch one. But yeah. it's just a little bit nicer, isn't it? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I um, think the, th- the thing is having a really good keyboard attached makes a difference. Now, if they did that, this um, fabric keyboard uh, on the normal iPad, then I think they would, I think that would make a big difference. The other thing is this, this, this the 120 hertz refresh rate does make a big difference as well. That's uh, yeah, just I, I've not so... experienced anything with that yet, to be fair, because the last iPad I had was that 2018 9.7 inch one. Um, I think I briefly looked at an iPad Pro in the Apple store and played with the pen, and I thought, yeah, this is nice. Um, it's nice, but I didn't really consume any media, if that makes sense, so I don't know about this refresh rate. Yeah, and what about the pen? Are you going to go... <laughs> penning no i mean if it was a mouse pointer yeah <laughs> oh no but, um, so you'd you'd get the uh apple ipad mouse yep um, and make a macbook but, of course yeah yeah but not um but not the pen. to be honest i can't get over the idea of um scraping a nib over my um tablet screen so I'm sort of instinctively against uh, these pens and pencils to be used on But, uh, but I got over this, didn't I, James? Tablet screens. I, all year now, I have not used a screen protector and probably for the last six months not used a case. I only use a case if it's in the car because I put it in a cubby on the dash that I don't want it sliding about and down the gym. Other than that, I've not been using a case or a screen protector at all. See, but you've had to go through the pain of finding little micro scratches on your screen. But, you know, people always say once you find them, then uh, you learn to, to live with them and get over it. And I, I, I'm, it is true, you know, it is true. Life, unfortunately, does go on. <laughs> <laughs> I refuse to believe that. I, I really do. But so what you're saying is that you're, you've currently got your lovely iPhone with um, lots of dings and chips out of the screen and uh, you're perfectly happy to sort of rub your finger across the uh, uh, no. cracked surface. I, I take care of my things, so uh, there's no dings or scrapes. There might be micro-abrasions, but I'm not looking at it under the kitchen spotlights. Um, no, that's probably wise. <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm using it as a functional tool. I tell you what what I do find odd, though. I've, I'm using this eSIM at the moment, uh, yeah. and I've got two... Um, I've got a EE eSIM in it, and I've also got a normal eSIM in it and they're both on wi-fi calling and the eSIM has full signal and the normal sim has none and i've noticed that at several other points as well today that the actual physical sim card won't have a signal and the eSIM will so i don't know if it's a bug i shall i tell you what i think that is and then this is a complete guess go on so i think that when you have a dual sim phone one of the sims will take like one of the 
sort of frequencies and antennae arrays or whatever on the phone mm -hmm. and the other sim will will pick a different frequency and therefore a different kind of set of antennas on the phone right so they don't use the same ones at the same time this is all a guess by the way um so for instance if you had a ee sim and let's say they both use um the 800 and the 2600 frequencies one would use the 2600 one and one would use the 800 one does that would that make sense it does make sense yes it does but maybe i don't know whether that does because then what happens if there's only one type of frequency in range then you'd have no service then maybe you only get one signal set signal bar yeah hmm. i don't know that, that was my theory whenever i see um i normally see it on a on a dual sim phone where uh, one will have like 4g and the other one will only have 3g or 2g and i always think mm, they would normally both have 4g so um, it is peculiar it is I, I shall monitor this and i will feed back as all good podcast hosts do yeah well i guess if it was an android phone you'd be able to get some sort of utility to tell you exactly what was going on but um as it's an iPhone, I guess it's a bit more under the covers. Good old iOS and ignorance is bliss, hey, James? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, on on that note, um, I've got Christmas cheer to go and give. I Yeah. Um, I'm guessing there's going to be another episode shortly after Christmas. I think Andy and Rich are getting on the ball with something. Yeah, hopefully they'll get one done soon. But, uh, yeah, it shouldn't be too long before uh, there'll be more tech boxes in the box. Is that a, is that a saying? I like that. I like that. Okay, well, James, have a good Christmas. And you, Dave, have a fantastic one. And Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Exactly. And it's the same to all of our listeners. Have a great uh, Christmas. And hopefully we will be back, maybe squeezing one in before the New Year. But if not, have a nice New Year as well. Yeah.